Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. The secret sauce to Google is that Google is a user-centric search engine. So it's thinking of the user first, user experience first, and then thinking of the advertiser second. It's thinking if I, if I have the users, if I have all these people searching on Google, the advertisers will find me. And this is different than all the other uh, search engines that came before. And so what Google is trying to do is give the best possible search results. And so sometimes if it feels like, if Google feels like that keyword doesn't match the website, it won't even sell the traffic to the website. So your impressions won't even show up. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now, if you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Raj Goodman-Anand of Goodman Lantern and with Casey Berman of Leave Law Behind, then check them out after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest today, Eric Seropian. He's the founder and owner of This Is My South Bay a Los Angeles-based digital marketing agency with a specialty in search engine optimization and lead generation. Eric also teaches at the Search Engine Optimization Academy in Los Angeles. All small business owners know that ranking on page one of Google search is essential, but most have no idea how to do it. Now, unlike many in the SEO industry who promise to deliver page one rankings, and tricks to game the search engines, which really is bad, Eric understands how the search engines work and why they want you to rank highly for what you do. And his team works with their clients to consistently show up online so the search engines recognize those businesses as leading providers of their services and hence rank them highly. So listen in because in this discussion today, Eric talked to me about the importance of consistently posting content, articles, videos, reviews, and more to your website. We discussed what Google really wants and no surprises if you've been following me for some time, it's actually the same as what your user, what your dream customer wants. And we talked about the power of community. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Eric Seropian.
Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Los Angeles in the USA, Eric Seropian, who is founder and president of This Is My South Bay, a digital marketing agency specializing in search engine marketing. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Eric. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you, Jürgen. Thank you for having me. Now, um, your forte really is is search and search engine optimization and understanding how to use the the organic search results in Google to or in, in all search engines, but Google being the biggest one to grow your business. And um, it, it's fascinating because the whole search engine industry, I think, is a bit of a bad name, and I still get daily emails that say, you know, we'll guarantee you page one ranking. We, we like your website, but we noticed you're not ranking on page one and all this kind of stuff. And most of that, of course, is spam. So um, I'm really keen to explore with you, an expert in this area and, and you know, focus completely on ethical marketing as to how to really do this properly and what, what philosophies to take. Now, before we start talking about all those things, so what impact are you making in the world and what drives you? Well, uh, I think that what drives me is uh, I love my work. It's, uh, it doesn't feel like work to me. I feel like I'm playing uh, 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 almost like a video game, but it's, you know, obviously it's serious, but it's, uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. And I feel like search engine optimization is something that. Uh, is a game changer for small businesses. So when you get that free traffic coming in from Google or Yahoo or Bing, et cetera, it, it can really make a difference in the trajectory of a business. And that's exciting to see when I'm uh, working with some of my clients that um, you know we're possibly going in a different direction and embracing digital marketing. And there are many facets to digital marketing. Uh, but uh, uh, embracing uh, search engine optimization as one of the facets, it's, it, it makes a big difference in the, the future of a small to mid-sized business. Hmm. All right. Well, let, let's do some definition stuff because I think there's a lot of jargon that I, I know I often use the jargon in terms of um, this whole area. And so st let's start off with search engine optimization. Um, so search engines are Google and Bing primarily and Yahoo. And then there's a, a bunch of smaller ones like um, uh, DuckDuckGo is one that comes to mind. Uh, there's, probably... there's Yahoo. You can consider uh, uh, YouTube to be a search engine. There, there are many, many out there with immense traffic. Hmm. All right. And, and then traffic is basically people go into those search engines. So let's say YouTube or Google type in something for example yesterday i was looking for um uh, a local cafe I, I was out and about i was on my mobile phone i thought i wonder where there's a nice cafe nearby so i type in cafe and up comes uh, a selection of cafes that are nearby so that that's basically and and then i pick one and i go there so that's what we term in the industry traffic i guess and really it's people finding your business and going there well, uh, if we back up for a second, so search engine optimization, SEO for short. Basically, when you do a search on Google, for example, you have the top uh, couple of listings that are paid advertisers, 
And usually at the bottom of the page of the search results, there are, at the bottom, there are a couple that are uh, paid also. But in the middle there, that fat middle, is where it's organic. So companies are not paying for those listings, which is actually when you have Google kind of giving the nod or giving the stamp of approval and taking that website and saying, okay, this keyword, this searcher is a good match with this company, this website, uh, the conversion are much higher. The trust is there from the user. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people that just, you know, gloss over the paid advertisers and they go directly to the optimized. And so that's where we're trying to land is in, in that fat middle there of the page, the first, I would say first or second page of a keyword. So if you were going to, let's say a, a cafe and you typed in cafe, Google knows more or less where you're located by your IP address, by if you're logged into your Facebook, your Gmail, et cetera, it's able to triangulate more or less where you're at. And then it gives you the best possible search result that it can. So if you searched cafe in on your phone and then you uh, the listings came up and you clicked on one of the websites that came up in the listing, then you would go to the cafe's website and that, that would be considered traffic to the website. That would be considered generating a, a, a visitor to the cafe's website. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that makes, makes sense. And uh, then you talked about the difference between the advertising listing. So typically there's three at the top and sometimes there's some at the bottom of the page and you have to pay to get to those spots. And, and I guess it's a whole other subject because you don't, even if you pay to advertise, you don't necessarily get into those top three or top six spots, right? But um, let's talk about the other thing. So why, what's different about what, what you've called organic, which is not paid advertising and why is that important? Well, uh, these days you need to make sure that you have your uh, 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 stake in the online world. It's getting more and more competitive. The older websites are getting more recognition than if you spin up a new site and you try to get traffic to it instantly. Uh, you want to make sure that you grow your following and you grow your uh, reputation online. And so without the traffic coming in, without new leads coming in from uh, search engines like Google, it's becoming more difficult to make new clients online. Now, there are businesses that still have word of mouth or they have cars passing in front of their store or they have people walking by, et cetera. But if you're looking to do business online and you're looking to generate new leads, um, you, you have to jump into the digital marketing and the, and the search engine optimization field, you know, uh, sooner than later, because SEO is a, it's kind of like a marathon as opposed to when you run some Facebook ads or Google ads, it's more of a hundred yard dash. And mm -hmm. so the cost of ads for Google, for example, I think in the last two years have gone up, I'm going to say about 75%. And as more companies enter that field, the paid ads are going to become more and more expensive. And so there, there's, there, there seems to be no shortage of new advertisers coming in and competing for the keywords in trying to get that traffic from Google coming to their website. So, but the long game is search engine optimization where you have that steady flow of traffic coming in and you're not paying for it. Hmm. 
And correct me if I'm wrong here, but the to first of all the advertising, if you if you stop paying them, they drop off, so they don't they no longer show up. But also um, to get to one of those top positions, you've basically got to outpay everybody else in terms of um, what they call cost to click, which is um, you know measured on how many people click on the ad, and you pay each time somebody clicks on the ad. Uh, whereas the uh, organic searches is, is quite a different approach. So can you first of all confirm that my understanding is right, but then tell me a little bit more about the approach, the whole philosophy around the organic search and, and getting a position in that organic search? Absolutely. So Google, there, there have been many other search engines before Google. The secret sauce to Google is that Google is a user-centric search engine. So it's thinking of the user first, user experience first, and then thinking of the advertiser second. It's thinking if I, if I have the users, if I have all these people searching on Google, the advertisers will find me. And this is different than all the other uh, search engines that came before. And so what Google is trying to do is give the best possible search results. And so sometimes if it feels like, if Google feels like that keyword doesn't match the website, it won't even sell the traffic to the website. So your impressions won't even show up. So Google has this, this thing where it gives an ad score for uh, each of your keywords. So if it has a zero or a one or whatever, it's not even going to be showing. You could have the top bid could be $5 and uh, you could bid $10 and your ad won't show. So it's trying to protect its users. And uh, so, so that's, that's the first thing about uh, the paid ads. Now, as far as making your place in the search engine optimization part, where you're getting that traffic without paying for it, there are people that are always fighting to, for that real estate. So you can't just do some things, get on the first page and think, okay, I'm here and that's it. You have to then keep your territory. So you have to do some of the things that you, that you do to get ranked in the first place. Then you have to do it to maintain because, you know, we, we, we had a client that we onboarded uh, last month and they have some keywords that they want to go after. And we really literally have to jump leapfrog ahead of their competitor. We have to do some things that the competitor is doing and then more of it and, and so on. So you're not safe in just saying, okay, I'm, I'm in the positions I want to be, now I'm going to cruise. It's a consistent uh, battle to stay at, or, or effort to stay in those top positions. Mm. I think there's two really key points there that, that you've made. Um, the first one, and I'll come back to this one, is the consistency aspect, but I'll come back to that and talk a little bit also, ask you about um, what are some of the things that we need to be consistently doing to reach that that kind of high ranking in the organic search and then also maintain it the other key point to me is the whole concept of user-centric search and it, i'm always amused by people that say you know isn't there a shortcut to um get a high ranking on google and of course a lot of the the spam messages that i referred to at the beginning uh, promise you that and so there's this idea that hey if you discover some sort of magic silver bullet that you'll 
get to number one and, and you don't need to do anything else. And I keep um, reminding anyone that asks me that question, I say, well, you know, anybody that promises you that silver bullet of pretending that they can outsmart Google who employ, you know, I don't know how many now, it's probably 30 or 40,000 of the smartest people on the planet. And um, do you really think that that agency or, or business, whoever's promising you that can can outsmart those people. And whereas if you take the other approach and say, you know, Google are pretty open about how they how they um, rank things and what they expect of people that want to rank. And if you just study all that, um, they want you to rank highly for the keyword and the service that you provide because it's exactly like what you said, Eric, isn't it? That um, if as a searcher, I always get a good result in Google. Uh, I will come back to Google each time. Exactly. That's why. That's why we talk about googling it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so again, it's one of those things where when you Google something, you feel like if it's a local business, you're you're you know if you're looking for a, a, a particular, let's say, a mechanic in your town, and then it comes up with a mechanic 500 miles away, and that happens over and over again, then you as a user you're going to uh, maybe look at other search engines. And so with Google right now, they're giving such good search results that you don't even think of going anywhere else. Mm. And going back to what you were saying about gaming Google, I think that's a lost effort. There are a lot of companies that I still get emails saying they weren't <laughs> in first position. I fell for that back in, I think, like 2008, the, when, I felt, when I fell for that. They, they guaranteed it. They said, we'll, we'll show you the report. You can validate it. And then you can pay us. And then literally they got it. They got me on uh, the first page of the, there were like 10 keywords that I said, if you get four of them on there, I'll pay this fee. And they did it and I paid them. But what happened was they spammed everything. So I had this hmm. almost like a sugar rush. And then after that, my website was blocked for years, yeah. you know, so they built, they, they did spam uh, uh, reviews. They did spam link building, spam everything. Uh, they, they did probably hundreds of articles in that two week period. And it was just a copy paste job. They went to my competitors, they copied their blog article, pasted it on my blog article. That's plagiarism. Uh, all of these things, Google just hates. So in the short run, it looked great. I fell for it. I think most of us have at, at one point or another, either seriously thought about do, you know working with these people that guarantee things or we've done it and regretted it so you you can't guarantee it if anyone guarantees first placement first place listing or ranking uh run because there's no way to to guarantee that yep that's right that's a really really good advice and i i, I can only endorse that you know if somebody is guaranteeing your first place on google run because even Google, I mean, there's a video by Matt Cutts from who used to be in charge of their search. I don't know what he does at Google now, but he he put out this video saying even even Google can't guarantee your first place on Google, and they wrote wrote the software. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 no way that uh, it's out of their control. It's out of all of our control. We can just do the work and then look at the analytics see what's working and what's not and you know react react accordingly hmm. all right well tell us more about that strategy then 
um, and and also around the mindset of consistency in terms of um, you know you need to keep doing those things even even if you're successful and you get a high ranking simply to maintain the ranking you need to keep doing that so talk to us a little bit about the strategy that you find working really well sure so there's a uh... To, to back up a second, there's a I'm in Los Angeles, and there's a search engine academy here in Los Angeles that I pre-COVID I, we would have classrooms and I would teach uh, search engine optimization classes. And by the end of the course, my students would always be tired of hearing the word consistency <laughs> because that's the secret in life is to be consistent. And you, if you're going to have a, a 365 dinners this year. If you have all 365 January 1st and nothing the rest of the year, it just doesn't work that way. And the same applies to Google. If you have suddenly, you, you didn't have any reviews online for 10 years. And then last month you had 200 reviews that came in and you're not going to have any reviews the next 10 years. It doesn't look organic. And so it looks like something happened and Google, you know, that raises a flag. And, and a lot of people think, look, I have 200 reviews. Why aren't they ranking me? But then you look and it's in short, such a short amount of time or it's they bought the reviews and, and things like that. So you have to be consistent in what you do. The, the reviews, whether you're doing a blog article, if you're going to do if, if you're if one's budget is to do 50 blog articles in a year, then they should do one a week. As opposed mm -hmm. to I run into a lot of companies where they're uh, a seasonal business. Let's say they, 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 they sell product that would cater to Christmas, New Year's, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, gift type of items. And they just want to do blogs around those seasons. It simply doesn't work that way. You have to just do it, maybe ramp it up in those times, but the rest of the year, you can't ignore it. And so uh, that's kind of the strategy that we've gone with is feeding Google content that we feel like Google is eating it up, that Google is thanking us for because there's a transaction happening. If all of us decided to uh, do a no index uh, for Google, meaning Google comes to our site to spider it and crawl it, and we say, Google, thank you, but don't come into the back end of my website. Don't rent me on, on your search engine. I appreciate it, be on your way. So if everybody did that, then Google would not have anything to, to offer, and shortly they would be out of business. So what we do is we, create this content and we have these reviews, videos, blogs, et cetera, pictures that we take and so on. And we publish it, we put it on our website and Google comes in and spiders our site and takes whatever it thinks is relevant and puts it on their search engine. And in exchange, it ranks us for those keywords. So there isn't currency being exchanged, but it's helpful for both, for both parties because we hopefully are gonna get traffic from Google and Google is going to be able to sell their ads and, you know, make their millions and billions doing what they do. Mm. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that you mentioned there, and I guess the, like the consistency message. I mean, I always preach that whole consistency message. It's around um, almost everything, really. It's not just search engine, but the whole nature of the organic search. It's intended that. You know, a business is actually doing this stuff on an ongoing basis. In other words, it's providing valuable information in some form on an ongoing basis, whether that's 
blog posts, articles, whether that's articles going out into social media, whether that's um, reviews coming in or testimonials coming in from clients. Um, but it's not that uh, all of a sudden there's a thousand come in on one day because that just smells of spam, right? And so their whole systems are set up to flag that, as you said. So what are some of the things that, that we can look to do and what, what's your advice in terms of, you know, keeping that consistency and keeping it at a sustainable level? Excellent. So the first thing that you always have to do is make sure that your house is in order. So your website is uh, uh, something that Google would want to rank in the first place. So a couple of things to watch out for is, uh, for example, the load time on the website. If you have it where it loads in 10 seconds versus loading in two seconds, the 10 second is not going to be a good user experience. So Google is not going to rank you. If you have links on your website that are broken, it's not a good user experience, et cetera. So things like that. So you want to make sure that the pages are tagged correctly. So when Google, Google comes in and crawls your site in a fraction of a second, it knows exactly what page, what each page is about. So let's say, for example, it's an e-commerce site and they're selling, I don't know, women's apparel. And so a lot of times what uh, uh, companies do is they put the stock number of the item, uh, mm. domain.com forward slash XYZ2146982, et cetera. And so Google doesn't know what that is. So if you put uh, domain.com forward slash women's white dress, formal dress or whatever. Google will know what that is. So it's really smart and really dumb at the same time. So you kind of have to lay it out for, for Google. Uh, so you, you want to make sure that the pages are, are tagged. A lot of people overlook that it's been tagged correctly. I have a, a friend that has a website that's been up for 10 years and uh, they, he hasn't changed a single thing on the, on the website. He's been at the same location with the same uh, phone number, same address, same everything. Google, uh, he asked me to look into it. I looked into it and uh, it's, it's in almost like, it's almost blocked by Google. So what, what the person that built out the website did was, uh, you can on the back end of Google tell, set it up so that you tell Google, Google come in once a day, once a week, once a month, whatever. And I'm going to have new content on my website for you to spider to crawl and index. But he had, in this case, it was daily that the webmaster set it up. Hmm. And, and he hasn't made a change in 10 years. <laughs> so Google comes in first day, spiders, nothing new, second day, third day, third month, et cetera. And it costs them money to do that. And so, you know, uh, I'll use Google as a person. She got upset. <laughs> and said, okay, I'm done with this website. They, they don't understand what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do for them. I'm just going to set them aside. And so there are certain things, best practices like that, that you need to be careful. And as you create content consistently, you can set, set up on the back end. You can do it so that every time you write a blog post, every time you upload a picture uh, on your website, it, it'll ping Google. So that way, if you're doing it more consistently on a weekly, daily whatever, you're going to get Google's attention more often than sometimes uh, uh, companies, they will bulk upload uh, blogs for the month, like on the 31st of the month, 
they'll up bulk upload seven blogs because they're trying to hit a certain quota for the month in, in, in their business plan or in their mind or whatever. So if you can do it, uh, going back to consistency, if you do it more consistently, you'll be able to get Google's attention more often. So the first thing that you always want to do is make sure that your website is appealing to Google. And there are some uh, platforms out there that are free that you can you know, copy paste the URL in there. Uh, one is called GT Metrics, where you can put uh, the URL in there and it'll give you a report on, hey, you know, these pages are good, but some of these other pages are uh, heavy. It's, it's, uh, it's taking too long to load. Pay attention to these pages because Google is taking the average of everything. So if you have 100 pages and three of them are just crazy slow and the other 97 are doing awesome, it's gonna, that three is gonna weigh down the average. So it'll tell you which pages are not doing well and you can kind of make a decision whether you wanna keep those pages or work on those pages to lighten up the load. A lot of times it's graphics. Mm. Uh, so so uh, that's, the, that's the first step that I always go to. The second thing that we wanna watch out for is reputation management. Google is listening to everything that uh, people are talking about. That's why Yelp is so important. Google reviews, Facebook reviews. So, uh, and also Google is watching what you're doing with your social media campaigns. So if you have a lot of people that are um, complaining about you, flagging you on Facebook or complaining about you on Twitter, et cetera, Google is kind of playing detective. It's watching to see what's, what's going on, what you're up to. And I always use the example of if I had last month 100 followers on my social media, and this month I have 90, and next month I have 80, there's a trend happening there. And so Google sometimes reads into that and sees, hey, what's going on here? Why, why are they losing so many followers? And same with engagement rate. You know, if I have 100 followers and nobody comments, likes, shares my posts on social media, that's a metric that Google is looking at, as opposed to if you're consistently growing your following, you have a good, you know, two, three percent engagement rate, and you know you're you're posting consistently, and there's uh, across the board, it seems like you're you're doing things in a, in a healthy way. That, you know, Google's going to look at that. There are people that will go and buy ten thousand followers. Google knows who that is on social media. Mm. So you're just wasting your time with that. It looks good to someone that um, you know maybe lands on your page and looks, and you have ten thousand followers. And then you do a post and you have three likes. So, you know, you, you kind of have to keep that in mind. And yeah. so uh, the, the Yelp part of it is huge, what people are talking about. Um, and then after that, um, we want to get into some, some content creation. The big thing for Google is when you, uh, uh, th there's something called Google Analytics. I, I hope a lot of people in your audience have that on their website. If they don't, it's a free app that you can get from Google and it tracks where the traffic is coming in from to your website, how long they've stayed, time on site, uh, is it mobile? What kind of mobile is it? Is it iPhone 10 or 11 or Samsung? Um, it gives you all kinds of data where, where they came in from and, and so on. And so Google looks at that and says, okay, you had a hundred people come to your site today. 
and all hundred of them stayed less than a second. So it's going to think, okay, the, the traffic that I'm giving this website, my users don't like this. So I'm not going to rank this website for this keyword. And so it's one of the uh, big metrics that Google looks at is it looks at its own Google Analytics and makes a decision on what to do. So if it sent you 100 web, uh, people to your website today and let's say 50% of them stayed for a longer period of time for whatever industry it is, the numbers are different, and they stayed and they uh, clicked around and, and so on, then it's going to say, okay, this keyword is good for this website. Let me rank it a little bit higher and let me bring in some other keywords also that are similar to this because my users like this website with these similar keywords. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. And um, you've, um, I mean, you've outlined a lot there and there's a lot to unpack. I think the one of the really important ones is, um, for me, is, is looking at that tool, Google Analytics. And if anybody doesn't have that set up or doesn't know how to access that, I strongly recommend that you talk to whoever built your website and ask them how to uh, how to access your Google Analytics information. And if it's not set up, get them to set it up. That's that's just standard best practice. And you talked earlier about consistency and consistently posting things. So Google Analytics actually gives us the ability then to, uh, for example, let's say I up a new blog post and within a week or two weeks, I can go back to my Google Analytics and have a look at how many people are actually going onto that page and and as you said, where are they coming from and so on. So a lot of them might be coming from my homepage and they see there's a new post and so they click through and read that post or they might be coming from the social media posts I've done and then I can see how long are they spending on that? Are they going to another page from there? Are they reading other articles? And so I can I can figure out from there, you know, which of my articles are actually interesting to people because they're spending a lot more time on on that article than they are on this other article. And how can I do more of that? So that that's kind of the experimentation you mentioned earlier, right? That's one. Exactly. To, hmm. It's uh, a lot of the success that you're going to have is uh, how you read the reports, and if you're able to put together the reports and be able to investigate what just happened and what is happening, and so when you're able to do that, then you you can kind of tighten up your campaigns and be able to do your campaigns almost in a, a laser beam format. Before you know, internet. We would do, you know, uh, like I used to advertise in the Los Angeles Times. It was 3 million circulation. You know, you would get maybe three phone calls. You're just kind of doing a shotgun blast and seeing what comes back. With this, it's not the same thing. You're, you're literally, you can lock in on your audience and, and go after them directly. I'll give you an example on my social media. Uh, I live in a part of Los Angeles that is called the South Bay. So... There's a big bay in Los Angeles, and the other side of the bay is, uh, you know, cities that you probably you've heard of, like Malibu and Santa Monica, uh, and so on. So Venice Beach and and so on. So I'm on the southern part of the South Bay. I, I live in the South Bay. I've grown up there. My business is there, and I I named my business the uh, this is my South Bay. And so whatever I post on my social media that has something to do with uh, the South Bay area, 
I always get more likes. It was such a big deal to me. I went to New York one time and I always wanted to go to Yankee Stadium and watch a baseball game. And I took a picture there and I was thinking, this is such a great picture. And it's probably one of the lowest uh, likes that I got on my social media. And so I think I have like 19, 20,000 followers and I probably got like 200 likes. So my audience is telling me, I don't care about that. I'm not here on Instagram following you for a Yankee Stadium. I'm here to see the sunset and the 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 uh, the, the pier and the ocean and, and and you know the fundraising event that's happening in in the South Bay and so on. Like th that audience is there for that. Mm. And so if you can pay attention to the metrics and pay attention to what Google or the audience is telling you, then you won't be just spinning your wheels and spending time and get spending money and getting frustrated. Mm, yeah, that's a really important point. So it comes back to, um, you know, one of the core fundamentals for me of marketing and, and particularly human marketing is really knowing who is your audience and what are they interested in? Yeah, that's I, I think that a lot of times when we start a new campaign with a client, we ask them to give their, their target market their ideal client. And you'll be surprised how many bi small businesses struggle with that. It takes them some time and some thought and some meetings with staff to come up with, okay, this is what my audience looks like with my target audience looks like within this age group, within this geography, et cetera. And, uh, but you can also, you might think you have the perfect target market. And then as you start to do campaigns, see that there's other markets targets that are just as interested, if not more. And you, shouldn't be uh, fighting it because the numbers don't lie. You can track these things, you know, better than anyone's ever tracked it. And as time goes on, it'll even be better. Hmm. And also there's, there's lots of tools around there, aren't there, that where you can do experiments, which I think is another um, great way to utilize Google Analytics and also some of the other tools that are available to kind of test out you know, and it's very easy to test something out if you have an idea let's say um, what happens if I post an article about this that might be a little bit different to my normal articles about the South Bay um, very easy to do that test it out uh, have a look at the data and say whether it worked or not exactly social media you can test it in real time it's mm. it's very uh, you know in the moment and then people uh, you know either react to it or they move on um, th there are things that you can do with uh, Google ads where you can do a B tests and see, you know, which, which ads are running better. And that'll give you an idea what to do with your, um, organic campaigns. I use Google analytics a lot of times for trying to figure out what Google thinks of my client's website and the keywords. So the example that we gave before about if Google, you run an ad on Google and you have the top bid and Google is not selling you the traffic, there's no way it's going to rank you for it organically. So uh, we have to make sure that we are locking in on the keywords that work for us. And so when, when I have keywords that are sevens, eights, nines, tens, then those are the ones that I'm going to spend time uh, creating content and optimizing and the keywords that Google and the Google ads is giving me zeros, ones, and twos. 
I'm going to go back and I'm going to build up the content and make changes on that landing page before I do a SEO campaign for those pages and those keywords. Hmm. So um, talk to us a little bit about using the keyword and the idea of the search experience and, and how Google ranks that. So let's say um, I rank really highly on a keyword for um, say podcast and um, when the person searching clicks through that link and they land on a page that talks about search engine optimization and doesn't talk about podcasts, how, how does Google kind of take that into account? Because clearly that's a bad user experience, right? I, and I have that quite often. I click through on something I've searched for and I, I'm kind of thinking, did I click the wrong link or what happened there? Because I've, I land on something that's got no relationship to the search result that actually came up. Exactly. So uh, obviously, eventually that website is going to get penalized and they're not going to be able to rank on, on Google ever or you know it's, it's going to hurt their SEO uh, campaign for a while. There are companies that will uh, uh, you know, optimize for a particular uh, website. And then when you search on Google, you find that website, you click on it. Let's say you're, you're thinking you're going to abc.com, but then you, you end up going to xyz.com. You go to a completely different website. It's almost like a pop-up or uh, that those things are not best practice at all. Those are things that are going to get you into trouble with Google and you're going to get banned from Google doing that. So you have to make sure that you stay within things that are realistic to you, you know, are really realistic to Google. So that is not, you know, if you're searching for socks and then you end up going to a website that's selling pencils, it's, you know, it's, you end up going back and going back to Google. The thing that Google knows is that if we don't get a good search result, we don't blame the website. We don't even remember the website. We blame yeah. Google. And so we're hurting their business and they take it very seriously. Yeah, and you, you mentioned something really important there is we've, we've got to think of it in terms of the user experience. So how, how would we react if we do that search for socks and land on a pencil page? And as you say, you know, I, I get very frustrated. I mean, I know exactly what, what the issues are probably or what they could be. Uh, but I get really annoyed because I think, you know, you've just wasted my time and I've got a bad search result. Now I know, you know, I, I know enough to say, well, it's not Google's fault, but uh, other people may certainly react in a way that says I'm going to start using a different search engine. And that's exactly what Google don't want. Exactly. Hmm. So a lot of times before Google would, uh, or, or websites would stuff keywords in there. So there would be maybe 10,000 words on the, on the website or on that page. And so on that page there, and they're stuffing the, the keyword that they want to rank for all the way at the bottom of the page and they have it over and over again. And so when you go to the website, it has nothing to do with what you're looking for. Yeah. And so once Google figured that out, they went through all kinds of things with cloaking where you can't even see the keywords. Yeah. It's, it's, you you know. use the same color as the background color. Exactly. Exactly. So Google went through all that and we went through that with Google with getting those, you know, not so great search results. And so, you know, I, I feel like all of these things that Google is doing is to give the user the, the best possible user experience. So that has 
again, what are people saying about that company, that website? Are they active? How active are they? What's happening with their social media? You know, are they are they creating content and so on? So these are all things that Google is watching. And if you are gonna, if you're, if there's anyone in your audience that is considering doing a SEO campaign, they have to be realistic in the time frame. So I have a lot of people that come to me, uh, you know, 45 days before Christmas, and they want to do a campaign, and I'm like, no, this, it's just not going to happen. It, there just isn't enough time. And so this is something, like I said earlier, is a marathon, not a 100-yard dash. Yeah, that's that's a really important point. And I think the other the other thing I've I've seen in the past, and this is um, this is probably not um, black hat keyword stuffing, but it's still keyword stuffing. So they the the content on the page is written in such a way that it keeps repeating the keyword or keyword phrase. Um, so the example that I keep quoting in some of my presentations it said something like um i think the keyword was um yeah the the city i'm closest to is called geelong so i think the keyword was bookkeeping services geelong and um which is you know a great long tail keyword and when you landed on their page it said you know we are geelong's premier bookkeeping service our bookkeeping services in Geelong help you with all your bookkeeping needs in Geelong. So it just kept repeating and repeating and repeating and, and you're reading it and you're thinking, this is, doesn't make any sense at all because <laughs> it was just, you know, variants of that keyword phrase strung together <laughs> with a few with a few verbs and pronoun. Uh, um, not, not sure what the right grammatical expression is there, but just, you know, you get the idea just strung together and it made no sense at all. It's annoying, right? Yeah. It's annoying to, to read that, even though they might have the best service, the best people, the mm. best price, you you you, uh, you get frustrated and more often than not, you, you move on. That's but right, when you're yeah. creating content, you need to remember that you're speaking to two audiences. You're speaking to Google and its algorithms, and you're speaking to the user. And so you can't succeed without one or the other. So there are, for example, there's an app that I use that's called Yoast, and you can plug that in into your backend of your website. And it will give you some friendly suggestions like, hey, this is a thousand word blog article that you're writing. You've only mentioned your target keyword once. You should mention it in an article this size, you should mention it, let's say, three times. Or if you spam it, it'll tell you otherwise. Mm. And so there are some best practices. But other than that, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of people, they just speak to Google. And that's probably a prime example, a perfect example of, uh, you know, trying to get that web, getting that traffic and then not being able to convert and saying, what's going on here? What's what? Uh, you know, Google sucks or Google, you know, something's wrong with my website or whatever. And it's not, it's the, it's the content. Hmm. And I think, you know, the, the, I mean, Yoast is a great tool. They, they also have some um, grammar checker things in there. Um, I think it's probably important to write for the user first. So coming back to what you said earlier, being really clear about who our ideal client is, who our target audience is and, and knowing what they want and what they need and writing for them so that that person or uh, 
those people will look at the information and say, oh, yes, that's exactly what I need. And then go back from having written that and say, well, you know, do I have enough of the keywords in there? Do I have them spaced out in the right place? You know, is that is that going to satisfy all the technical needs that all for ranking highly on Google? But at the end of the day, it again comes back to that whole message of consistency, doesn't it? I mean, just writing the one article or... Yes, I think consistency, but going back to what you just said, uh, I, we usually try to uh, create content for the user hmm. because if the user likes it and they stay on the site and they watch the video or uh, that's, that's embedded on the, on the blog post or they read the blog post or they click around the website, Google's watching that anyway. So it's not, it's not as important to just rank for Google momentarily because if we don't uh, get the interaction from the user, we're not going to get ranked anyway. We're going to lose the ranking. So we try to focus on the, the end user with keeping in mind that there are some things that Google wants to see. And the example I gave with Yoast, we, we try to just use that as a guideline. But mm. it's obvious stuff. You know, it'll come back and say, hey, on the meta tag, you didn't even mention the uh, target keyword. Mm. Or you have a thousand word article and there's no break in it. And nobody wants to see a thousand words yeah. like a clump of words you want to break it up into paragraphs maybe uh, break it up with a picture uh, h1 tag h2 tag something to kind of break it up as opposed to just sitting there and reading it i there are a lot of times that i want to read the article but it's just you know a thousand or two thousand words just lots of text yeah you know stuck to each other hmm. Actually, there's, there's one it. question that came to mind as you were describing that, and uh, that's around video, use of video on a blog post, for example, or on the website. Uh, what, what's your recommendation in terms of where to actually have that video physically hosted? So, um, Because I'm thinking if it's, for example, a YouTube video, um, there's, and I often do this because you, you know, on many sites you can't maximise the video onto the monitor unless you go out to YouTube. So I often just, as a standard thing, click on the YouTube icon and it takes me out to YouTube. So is that um, seen as less time on site, even though I'm actually then watching a five-minute video? It, it, hmm. it can be construed as that. A lot of times what you want to do is, um, uh, what I do is I take that Let's say, for example, this conversation we're having, which is, you know, nearing, you know, 45 minutes, I would take this uh, video that we're doing and I would upload it to YouTube. And then after that, I would transcribe it and then create a blog post and have the written part of this conversation and then have the video embedded onto the blog post. So that way, if somebody wants to watch this, they can stay on your website and it'll boost your time on site if somebody watches the entire video or watches two minutes 10 minutes you know whatever it is um, your time on site will go up they'll stay on your on your website even though they're watching mm -hmm. youtube they're they're on your website and so that what you're doing with that is you're you're hitting different senses because we all take in information in different ways some people like to read some people like to watch Others, you know, you know, might take this video and listen to it as they're jogging or 
you know, driving to work or whatever the case may be. So you're hitting different senses when you get into video and get, you know, and you're not getting away from the blogging part of it also. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. And, uh, you know, I love the, the whole idea of repurposing content so you can use it in different forms. And, and it may be that, um, depending on, on your strategy, it may be that you actually, instead of having one blog post, you have multiple blog posts that could be just the video or just the show notes or the, the transcript or, and just the audio part. Exactly. If you can repurpose the, the content, you're not starving for content. That's the thing that we always have mm. trouble with clients is they, they just go get a stock image or something. And it's mm. not the same because Google has already stamped that. They know that it's a stock image. It's different than actually having a picture from the client in the store or out in the field and you know doing what they do best. It's, it's, not, it's just not the same to get those uh, images that you just mm. buy. Yep, great advice. So create your own content and there's never a shortage of content because you can repurpose it in many different ways so that people can um, consume it in the way that they best like to consume things, whether that's um, listening to audio, watching video, um, reading a long form article, or maybe you can give them a, a sort of a short synopsis as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Eric. I could go on for ages digging more into this. I do have a few other questions, but I think I'm, I'm watching the time a bit because you mentioned 45 minutes. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's designed to help our audience who are primarily leaders and innovators in their field with some tips from your experience. So I have five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some insightful answers and inspire our listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. Sure. What do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? When it comes to digital marketing and SEO, um, you need to create content that the user is mm. going to enjoy. So I, I'm seeing uh, advertising agencies merging with uh, PR or content creating companies because the, the two are going hand in hand. It's not enough anymore. 10 years ago, it was, it was enough just to write a 100 word, 200 word blog article, post it and you would get ranked. And now it's just, uh, it's become very competitive. So content that the public will yeah. enjoy and find uh, uh, helpful. Yeah, that's great. And I, I heard a quote from, and I can't remember who to attribute this to, and it's probably been said many, many times, but um, it basically says that every business is a publishing business or should be. <laughs> hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, well, we've gotten into, uh, at the beginning of the show, you said something about, um, SEO sometimes has a bad name or a bad rap. Uh, we've all been through that. We've I've gone through the cycle of uh, the wrong vendors and the you know wrong way of doing things, and so we've gotten into depending on the the client and the industry, obviously, and so on. Uh, we've gotten into some campaigns that we do where uh, we attach a call tracking. Uh, uh, we do a call tracking uh, campaign. So we can, when we do a campaign, we don't charge for any of our services. We just charge for the phone calls that we deliver to the client or if the client fills out a form. Uh, so we're basically just charging for the leads that come in. 
because I run into clients that are hesitant. They have, uh, you know, they have the budget to spend, but they have been burned so often that they have a, uh, they, it's almost traumatic in some cases because they feel like their competitors are doing well in this, in the, you know, in digital marketing and they're not, and they're frustrated. And so we're getting more into, uh, you know, cost of acquisition. You know, if you pay me this much per phone call and the phone call generally we our understanding is that it's a unique phone call. It's not the same person calling over and over again. Since it's a tracked phone call, you're able to listen to it. So you know if the phone call was someone trying to sell you something uh, or if it was, you know, you sell socks and they're looking for pencils, example, you know, it has to be relevant. And it has to be a phone call that's over usually 45 seconds to a minute. So that would be considered a conversion for us. If it's, if let's say it's a dentist in the area and they're looking for a dentist and they, the conversation is more than 45 seconds and it's a unique phone number, then that for us is considered a conversion. And so that way uh, they can say, okay, I'm going to close one out of two, one out of 10 phone calls, whatever the case may be. And they can do a ROI, you know, fairly quickly and see if it's worth it for them. Yeah. And also you're, you're taking all the risk. I mean, I love, love that idea. You know, there's this concept of risk reversal, which um, is, is that's a great example of that. You take all the risk and they pay you when essentially they're probably about to be paid or have maybe even have been paid. Yeah, that takes away a lot of the guesswork and the frustration. It just, you know, we, we need to make sure that we feel comfortable with the company, mm -hmm. the website, because sometimes the website's not even created. And so by the time they create the content and do everything and get, get things rolling, you could be three to six months mm -hmm. into it. And so by the time you start to see SEO uh, kicking in, so it depends if they have some activity going and, and it's a field that we feel comfortable with, it, you know, it, it, that's what the industry is heading towards. They're, they're like, okay, we'll pay you when you deliver the mm. results. And you're, you're essentially vetting the clients then, right? You're only taking those on board where you know, hey, we're confident we can deliver results for this particular client because all the um, prerequisites are in place. Um, they're responsive to our instruction in terms of what they need to do and and so we and also exactly. and also it's an area that we're knowledgeable in so we we can deliver exactly so in that sense it's a good marriage between the two mm. parties it it's it makes it you know a, a situation where we're working together as opposed to a lot of marketers come in and they say you know i'm selling you the service and i want this much a month i'm going to do you know, this, this, and this, and give me the money. I don't care. Like, I don't know what's going to happen uh, with these campaigns. And so sometimes depending on the situation, we will take on those clients to, to, to kind of uh, solidify the, the, the deal. And usually it's clients that they're looking for that trap. They're looking for those leads. They could use, you have 10 leads a day, you have a hundred leads a day, like they, they, they can use it. And a lot of times I go on podcasts like this, and I get at least a couple people that will want to sign up for that. Um, everybody wants to sign up for that. That's mm -hmm. something that it's a no brainer because we can audit the phone calls yeah. coming in. You know, we can see the form fills coming in. If they don't come in, we don't get paid. If it's the wrong phone call, we don't get paid. So it's a, it's a two way street in these. And, but I, I love those deals. Those are, those are, I love those campaigns because 
Um, I, I feel like we're ahead of the curve a little bit on this because probably in about five years or, or so, many of the marketing companies will not have a choice that will need mm -hmm. to do this. It, it's just going in that direction. You're going to get rid of the pretenders and you're going to have the, the companies that actually just, they know what they're doing. And if they don't know what they're doing, they're being audited by a third party like Google ads, uh, I, I'm sorry, Google analytics or uh, call tracking systems that will, uh, you know, you can't make up those conversations. Yeah. And also it's, um, you know, using those systems, even, even for companies that do know what they're doing, using those systems will just help them get better and help them adapt to when there's changes in how Google rank sites, for example. Yeah, we we had one situation where um, we we uh, we did this we did this campaign, and the first thing that we did was we obviously set up the call tracking system, and then we found that on the weekends they're closed, but they had a family member that was answering the phone calls. And so it turns out that that family member was going surfing or doing whatever they were doing. It's a college uh, student. And so they were getting about a third of their phone calls on the okay. weekends yeah. that weren't being answered. So just by doing that, and also companies can listen to the phone calls and train their employees and, uh, you know, to, to be able to raise their conversion mm. rate. Yeah, I love it. So you're adding value more than just search engine stuff. Hmm. Exactly. Okay. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Favorite resource that I haven't mentioned, I would say uh, SEM Rush is a is a good resource for me. It's a it's an app that I use that's starting at about ninety nine dollars a month. I'm not here to sell it. It's just uh, you know it's what I use. Um, it you put in the website and it'll tell you where they're getting links from which keywords they're ranked for, which positions those keywords are ranked for, average volume for that keyword, and a whole bunch of other things that I don't have time to get into. Uh, you can do the same thing with your competitors. You could put your competitor's website address into the search box. It'll give the same data. So you can kind of see what your competitors are up to. It's, it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. for people. When I, when I do reports, I send them, they, they always have, small businesses always have their eye on a couple of people down the street that are just doing really well and if they could just do as well as that person, they would be happy or they would be rich. And so when you can get behind the curtain and say, okay, they're ranked for these keywords and here's what's happening, it's always uh, interesting to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but it's a very powerful yeah. thing. And it, it gives, I mean, we've talked a lot about Google Analytics. It, uh, these kind of tools like SEM Rush give you a whole lot more information. And also, as you say, um, in Google Analytics, you can't dig into your competitors' websites, but here you can find out a lot more about what the competitors are doing. And also, it even gives you information, if I recall correctly, about the technology that they're using on their websites and some of the other back end. It gives all kinds of information. Mm. Yeah. The, the thing that I use it for a lot is the keyword research, The you know, because that's the first thing I ask for clients is give me your top 10 competitors, mm. give me your top 10 or 20 keywords you would love to rank for. And then we try to figure out how are these these competitors ranking for these keywords. And a lot of times it's with, like you said, uh, some of those things and also, you know, links coming in. Where are they getting links? Oh, they're getting links from this website. Let's go ask them for a link also and, and things like that. So there's there's a, I can get lost in the data and I try to avoid that as much as possible because yeah. it's, it's, I feel like I'm consuming it. Mm. 
All right. Um, and what's the best way to keep a client on track as you're working with them? I, for me, with SEO, it's unpredictable. So you have to manage expectations. So a lot of times uh, clients will come and they'll just think, you know, okay, I have a website, bring me the traffic, bring me the business. But there are a lot of things that you need to, a lot of hoops that you need to jump through for Google in order to get that. And so you have to be honest with them, give them the reports every month to show where the campaign is going. You know, you may be up this month, down next month, and then and so on. But as long as you're sailing in the right direction and you're not doing things that is upsetting Google, um, overall, in the end of it, SEO is probably the best return on investment for businesses, especially as Google ads prices go up, Facebook prices go up, uh, YouTube ad prices go up, everything's going up. And if you can continuously do your work, uh, and, and get that traffic from Google. A lot of times uh, companies are doing the work, they just don't know it. They're posting on YouTube or they're posting on Instagram. You can recycle that content and put it on your blog post and you know put it on your website mm -hmm. somewhere and get Google's attention also. And the, the thing with the different, the big difference in my opinion between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Google, Yahoo and Bing is that when you're, um, when you're actively searching for something, you usually don't go to Facebook or Twitter. Mm. If my car broke down and I need a mechanic and I'm, I'm in a town that I don't know the mechanics, I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to search. The, us the user is closer to the end of the funnel on the search engines than they are on social media. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of people overlook that because social media has like this sexy... Uh, like this uh, thing that people want to be a part of. And you should be part of it because if I land on your website, I'm going to check out your uh, reviews. I'm going to check out your social media. I'm going to get a vibe as to what you know your business is about and if I want to give you my business. But I first, I'm going to find you from Google or from a search engine. And also that, um, I mean, the interesting thing, I often hear people say, oh, I don't need a website because I'm on Facebook. And I, I tell them, well, last time I checked, your name wasn't Zuckerberg. So, you know, you don't own that real estate. Mm -hmm. um, whereas your own website, you own that real estate. And if Google ranks that well, then people searching find you land on your real estate. And that's in your control, whether it's up and running and whether it's there and whether it's doing the things that you needed to do, for example, getting people to fill out a form or to call you. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to just, I have some e-commerce businesses that I run into that they just do exclusively um, Amazon. And, you know, they're, they're doing the Amazon Prime where it's not their customer. And so the minute that Amazon decides, hey, this other person's paying me more money or decides they want to sell it directly to the public, that's, that category, then that small business is essentially yeah. out of business. All of a sudden it stops. Okay, um, great advice. Um, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think that um, you need to play to your strengths as a small business. We are all powerful in our, in our own way. So try not to look at your competitor and just be a clone of that. 
try to be, you know, we all have our strengths in, in our business and what we can do. And so play to that. There's a, enough business online for everybody and make your own community um, online. I use my, this is my South Bay um, to show as a case study because I have probably on social media between Facebook, Instagram, and so on, I think I have, I haven't checked in a while, I think like 40,000 or so uh, followers. The whole area is a million people. So I have about, what is that a percentage of it on my social media? So if there's a fundraising event at, at the church locally there, or there's a small business that needs some daylight shined on it or whatever the case may be, I, I am somewhat of an influencer in the area. And any small business can do that. They can geo-target their following. So they're not wasting their time with someone that is, you know, in another country that's never going to visit them or, um, you know, just, just too far away. And so you can do that and you can meet your next door neighbor that, that's a business by Instagram and say, hey, I'll do a shout out for you. You do a shout out for me. And you meet people and you create a community, uh, you know, online. And that's, the, you know, that's kind of the, the golden rule is you, if you can create your own community online, you're, you're, it's difficult to compete with you. And then Google is watching that. Google is seeing that, okay, this person is, you know, within this community, a lot of their followers on social media are within that community. They have a high engagement rate. They're posting often. They're they're sharing each other's things, and it's a, it, these are all positive metrics. Mm. Great, I love it. Yeah, building community, and and you can do that even if you're an online business running internationally. I think the the same principles that you've outlined there can be applied. Absolutely, I have a friend that he's he's into jogging. He, he opened up an Instagram uh, account for people around the world that are into jogging and, uh, you know, talking about that. So it's, you know, interest-based or uh, geographic-based or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and uh, find your niche. And within that niche, just grow within that niche. Don't try to be one of these people that have a million followers or 100,000 followers. It's not going to be the same as if you have a smaller base, you're a niche uh, base and you know it, it, these are people that are interested in what you're saying and what you're doing yeah yeah great advice and uh, you become known as the person in that niche yes all right well thanks eric this has been fabulous now where can people find out more about you and about this is my south bay maybe even reach out and say thanks for all that you've shared today sure well uh, if they go to this is my south bay.com if they're interested in uh, uh if they have any questions on search engine optimization, if they have some strategies that they are thinking of implementing or they have some questions on anything to do with SEO and dis digital marketing. Uh, on my website, there's a book now button. They can click on that and uh, my schedule will come up and they can book a 15 minute free consultation and I'll answer whatever questions they have on the subject of SEO. Mm, great. Well, we'll share those links in the show notes and that's a very generous offer. Thanks for that. Now, um, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? Uh, well, uh, I, I think that if if you can uh, kind of make yourself a little bit, your viewers, if they can spend a little bit of time to understand what Google is looking for, how to read these reports, what metrics you need to hit to get Google's attention, start with that, first of all. And there's, there's a lot of videos online that... You know, you can go to YouTube and 
you know, put in a keyword and it'll, it'll give you videos with people giving advice. So just to kind of have an idea how to read, that's what I do when I, when I have a client, when we onboard them, I show, a, 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 you know, we zoom and we screen share and we show, okay, here's what a Google Analytics dashboard looks like. And here's, here are the metrics and here's what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be, you know, here's, you know, every month we look and we say, okay, this is how many visitors we got from Facebook, Instagram, Google organic, Google ads. And we break everything down. Everything is open for, for us to see. And so, you know, you have to be able to uh, spend a little bit of time looking at those numbers. Cause I have, I've run into clients in the past where they're just like the phone didn't ring. And so I don't, I don't know what to say, hmm. you know, and that's just not how it works. You have to look, dig deeper. And that's, those are the kinds of clients that kind of pushed me into doing the paper performance campaigns because you know, they, they would tell me I, the phone was ringing before you, it's ringing with you. I don't know if it's you or not. And it was, it was kind of confusing to them mm. and they weren't spending the time to look under the hood to see exactly what's going on. And so this is important. You need to spend a little bit of time. I'm not talking a lot because everyone has, you know, their business to run family time, personal time, everything. But, uh, you know, if, if they can spend a little bit of time looking at the numbers or at least with their marketer, going over the numbers, making sure that they understand what the numbers are, um, that would be like the best advice I could give. Mm, yeah, that's great. Great advice. And particularly, I think, um, you know, you made a point there and I think it's important. You don't need to become an expert in SEO. And it's probably if you, you know, if, if SEO search engine optimization is a marketing strategy that is a fit for your business, then it's probably a good idea to invest some money with the experts that can do that for you. However, knowing what Google expects and knowing how to make a little bit of sense of some of those reports will help you avoid those bad actors that we spoke about at the beginning and pick somebody good like you, right? Thank you. There, thank you. There are a lot of people that uh, go to these courses, that the, the one that I teach, but mm. also all over the world. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that go to these courses not to become a marketer. They just want to understand hmm. the language, you know, and and then they can hire a marketer. Yeah. They're fed up with sometimes uh, the, the marketer telling them everything's great, don't worry about it. There are no reports, there's no explanation, and they're just taking the money. Hmm. And so it's good when you're dealing with a marketer that is taking the time to explain, okay, we didn't have such a good month this month, you know, and, and here's what happened. And, you know, kind of going over because it could be a, a number of things. And as a marketer, you want to know what happened. Mm. And as a business owner, they want to know, you know, what's going on. I don't want to just cut a check every month the rest of my life kind of mm. a thing, which I completely get. So yeah, they need to, if they can spend a little bit of time with their marketer or with whomever to get up to speed and to stay abreast on, you know, the, the data. Great. All right. Well, that's great advice. Um, finally then, Eric, who else should I get on this show and why? Who else should you get? I would say in conjunction with this, that's a good question. I, uh, I'm going to say in conjunction with this, if you can get someone that builds websites, I think that the two go hand in hand mm. because a lot of times if we're doing a, a campaign, there are going to be tech issues and always, you know, we're, we're wanting to work with the company's tech person first. Well, sometimes they don't have that person. 
but it's good if they have someone that can do some of the work um, that'll save them some money. And uh, I think that it's it's good to have a lot of times the techie doesn't know about the SEO part. Mm. The first example, or one of the first examples I gave you about setting up on the back end for Google to come daily and check out the uh, the website yeah. when there's no new. And so th these are good things for them to know. And I'm sure that if I listened uh, to them speak, I'd, I'd pick up some things that I would implement in my business. All right. Well, we've got plenty of contacts in that space, so we'll see who we can bring on to have that conversation. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today. There's, it's been fascinating to dig into a topic which I think is a little bit maligned um, and probably because of the bad actors we talked about, but you've really shone some light on some of the things that are important. And I think the big message that I always emphasize, and it's come out again today, is uh, write for your users, be really focused on your target audience, your niche, and then just be aware of what Google is looking for. But they're really wanting to provide a great user experience, which is what you should be wanting to do as well. So you're actually doing the same thing. So thanks for exactly. sharing all that with us, Eric, and all the best for the future, and let's stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that really insightful and informative conversation with Eric and took something away from his episode. Eric is really a genuine search engine expert and his examples in today's conversation really clarify why it's important to consistently focus on the user experience in considering search. Now, I'd love to know what you took away from Eric's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Eric Seropian. That is E-R-I-C-S-E-R-O-P-Y-A-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Eric Seropian. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Eric there, as well as links to the This Is My South Bay website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with as many other people as you think it might help, and tag me in on those shares so that I can reach out personally and thank you, and maybe even give you a special surprise gift. Eric suggested we have a conversation with a good website builder on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode to get their perspective on building websites for search to add to Eric's perspective around search engine optimization. So we'll reach out to some of our fabulous website builders in our contact database and invite them to the show to get their perspective. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Jeff Harry of Rediscover Your Play and Graham Miller, author of The Human Factor. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. 
Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.